some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on Barroom Network. Quiet, Cruz. You can follow us at Barroom Network for all our great programming that we got going on. We're live on YouTube right now. Uh, Audio-only versions on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two if you're watching the live stream. Feel free to comment in. Anything we have not talked about, feel free to chime in on. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. My joke was that uh, Cruz is Ross's dog, who started off the show with a with a very aggressive bark. That was actually Bella, who oh, is Bella. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bella, Bella is uh, now 15 years old. She's got kidney disease. She can barely move, but her bark still sounds like a <laughs> like a very good. young puppy. She's still that's where she still has some energy. Absolutely, a lot to get to on the show today. We'll be recapping the Bears' first win of the season. <laughs> Against the Commanders, that's the only time we'll get to use that in the show. Uh, and uh, what a win it was, putting up 40 against the Commanders. Uh, the week since, the long week to prepare for the one-win Vikings, a battle of NFC North opponents coming up this Sunday on the lakefront. We'll dive into all the expectations uh, going into that, all the talk around Justin Fields, all the talk around the offense, impressions with Aberflus getting his first win. Um and then, of course, we will talk about week six of the NFL uh, coming up soon. Some big injury notes and then recapping week five. We'll talk a little preseason basketball, baseball, perhaps in the playoffs. We haven't talked about at length, but uh, I want to see if Ross has been following along. We'll also get Ross's review of the new Drake album, of course. And uh, we both saw Dave Chappelle this past weekend, so we'll give some thoughts on on the goat there because we both came away um, really enjoying ourselves. That's for sure. Uh, if you could ever see him, that's the spoiler alert. You got to go see him. Uh, he's a bucket list guy for sure. Uh, to begin. Yeah. We'll talk about, you know, it only took about a year, but the bears stopped their, their losing skid against the commanders this past Thursday on the road, putting up 40 against the commanders. It was, uh, a long time coming as far as this offense realizing its potential, albeit, you know, um, it wasn't, I mean, it was an efficient game for Justin Fields uh, and company, obviously, you know, throwing to DJ Moore so many times for 230 yards of your 282 yards really helps uh, DJ Moore. Just those yards after catch is, is really impressive. Getting three touchdowns uh, out of him was, was great. Uh, Bears pretty dominant throughout the game. Uh, DJ Morgan getting F- NFC Offensive Player of the Week after that performance. Uh, it was a win, but obviously this team has a long way to go. But you saw that they were, you know, kind of inspired after the news of Dick Buckus passing at 80, the Bears legend, legendary linebacker, of course. Uh, but it was it, it was great. I don't want to dwell on that too much. But the offense, uh, you know, of course, we'll talk about the injury notes and all the fallout after that. But this looked as advertised. I know it was was playing against a pretty poor defense, but how impressed were you by what you saw against the Commanders, Ross? Yeah, I was impressed. I mean, we you know we talked about it last week. I I, I brought up the Matthew McConaughey joke with the Wolf of Wall Street, and in, in terms of DJ Morris saying, you know, you got to pump those numbers up. You got to get him more targets. You got to get your best player on offense involved, and that's exactly what they did. Is is you know, DJ Moore had 10 targets. He, he was able to complete uh, eight receptions for uh, a, a staggering 230 yards and, of course, three touchdowns. And, and 
you know, I was thinking about this this week. The NFL has switched from, I, I think, over the last 10 to 20 years ago, the NFL was like, you got to be balanced. You got to spread the football around. That's kind of the Tom Brady, New England Patriots style that won for a long time. And I think it shifted more towards, and I started with the Rams, in my opinion, where now the best teams are very top heavy, right? You've got to have really star athletes on, on your team, five or six blue chip players on both offense and defense, and you've got to be able to allow them to make plays. I think the Rams showed you that when they won their Super Bowl, super top heavy team. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have certainly showed you that in the past couple of years. I think the Philadelphia Eagles have adapted that mantra, and so has the, uh, the Miami Dolphins right now. And I think now the Bears can take a page out of their playbook. Justin Fields only completed the football on last Thursday night to three guys. It was yep. DJ Moore, it was Robert Tunyon, uh, and, and then it was um, um, Cole Komet. And I think, you know, the missing guy from that situation is, is Darnell Mooney. Hopefully we can get him going. But he loves him some DJ Moore, and he loves him some Cole Komet. And those are your blue-chip offensive players right now, and you've got to keep forcing that ball. If you look at Tua Tungvalova, what makes him successful – He's going to go to target kill first. And if he ain't open, he's going to Jalen Waddle second, right? And, and you look at Jalen Hurts. It's A.J. Brown first. It's Devontae Smith second. Does that thumbs up thing happen when I put the thumbs up? Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. Um, like <laughs> it, and that's what happens. I think more and more quarterbacks across the league are like, I'm going to my top two or three guys. And then everybody else is just kind of on the field. And so I expect D.J. Moore to continue to have a a career season for himself a career year for as a bears wide receiver i expect cole Komet to continue to be a touchdown dependent red zone target and a guy that justin fields just really trusts a lot sometimes to a detriment in my opinion and then i do think that eventually darnell mooney will start to get going here they were so close last thursday night connecting on a couple of big plays timey looks a little bit off between the two of them but i think it's going to keep going but the name of the game is Allow your best players to get into contact with each other and play with each other and play off of each other. Justin Fields giving the ball to DJ Moore. Great things are going to happen if that continues to happen. Um, I thought the offensive line was outstanding last week. Tevin Jenkins was able to rotate in, uh, and he looked like he really didn't uh, miss a beat out there. He looked awesome, so I expect him to be even more comfortable this week against the Vikings. Um, Darnell Wright is showing you that he's going to be a very promising, uh, you know, right tackle for for years to come. And it was unfortunate because Clear Herbert got hurt, um, but he was having a very good game. Ten rushes for 76 yards, and you saw him trying to put some weight on that ankle when he tried to come back in and give it a go, and he just didn't have it. So hopefully he's able to get up to speed sooner than later. But I have a lot of trust in, De uh, in Deontay Foreman this week, uh, especially against the Vikings team that looks like they're they're getting ready to lay down. But Impressive win overall for the Bears. They needed that. I still have some quibbles about this defense, obviously, and and, and not being able to um, finish drives and take the football away specifically and, and, and really capitalize on mistakes of quarterbacks. I thought Sam Howe got away with a couple things on, on Thursday night. But uh, all in all, it was a good win. It's good to see the Bears back in the win column. And now you have to start to see if they can put a streak together. Vikings stink. Raiders stink. Chargers, that could be a toss-up game. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it gets a little bit easier for the Bears, and now you build some confidence after the Commanders game. I, I thought the offense was super efficient. It was nice to see that confidence carry over um, from the previous loss that the Bears took uh, You know, into this Commanders game, and you're seeing Justin Fields um is that dude you know when he was under fire obviously when the first few weeks of the season you're thinking oh boy let's just play for Caleb Williams let's see how that goes let's move on from Justin Fields and now the talk is like well would you trade high on Justin Fields looking still for Caleb Williams or looking for some other option at quarterback he continues to play this way though Ross I, I'm not sure you can even consider uh get, moving away from Justin Fields if he's a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL, which is looking like he's playing uh, to that level of the guys you mentioned, like the Pat Mahomes and, and these guys who command the best offenses in the league. It's crazy to see the difference but, though, between him and Sam Howell, who, who played a pretty decent game, almost 400 yards and completed to 11 different receivers to Justin mm -hmm. Fields' three. Uh, 388 yards is, is pretty great on the day, but no rushing game to speak of. You're pretty one-sided there, so you figure – 
it evens out. Uh, you know, going into the Vikings game, you do have questions about this Bears rushing attack as far as what can, um, you know, Dante Foreman mm-hmm. pick up the slack with, uh, obviously, with Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson. He's in, in uh, concussion protocol at this point. But, you know, circling back to the offensive line, it's nice to see this iteration. They they stood up pretty well against a pretty fierce pass rush, right, with, with the Washington Commanders and those guys that we talked about last week that would cause a lot of problems for Justin Fields and this offense overall, you know, Darnell Wright, he really does just lead the way for me. You know, he's first among all rookie offensive linemen as far as his run blocking grade uh, for pro football focus, for example. <clears throat> and then um, just saw him just on the tape, pancaking guys. We saw him getting out there, just playing like that, uh, that top pick that Ryan Poles really wanted uh, over, you know, a guy like Jalen Carter. You can see he's going to be, one of those constants going forward. You need that with so many guys like Lucas Patrick, who's in protocol, you know, maybe coming back, um, maybe missing time. He was limited today in practice. Uh, but, you know, going forward, they, they really need to protect Justin Fields to to have him progress as a passer. The passing game overall, you know, DJ Moore is great, but you want to see Justin Fields spread it around quite a bit more. You talked about Darnell Mooney and those misses. It, it's too many games where it's just zero catches for for this guy, and I know it's uh, a game of inches, and it's tough. It's not on all on him, uh, and we haven't even talked about Chase Claypool leaving the Bears over this past week, mm-hmm. um, and and the Bears' new signee, uh, a big big target. But you know, Equinemius St. Brown, the really thin at wide receivers. How concerning is that going into these uh, more cupcake games for you, Ross? Yeah, I mean, I, it's a little concerning, but like you said, and we kind of talked about at the top. You know, it's it's got to be more top heavy. I think if you get Darnell Mooney involved, then all of a sudden it's not concerning to me anymore. And the Bears have to get him involved, in my opinion. He's too good of a talent. And he's too good of a wide receiver. It's like you said, you know, to be out there and not have any catches on the football field. And, and you know, I, I think it's just a matter of, um, of of finding the ball for him in space. I like him a lot on some of those crossing routes that they're able to have and stuff like that. I think Justin is getting a lot more comfortable in the pocket. His footwork looks better. He's uh, able to keep his eyes up, especially when the rush is hitting him. And so I do think that eventually Darnell Mooney is going to start to get going. Hopefully this week, uh, a game at home uh, against the Vikings will will, will be able to, to, to get that rolling for him. But, you know, in the meantime, I think also you're going to see Defenses, defensive coordinators see what's happening here, and, and they see DJ Moore having a giant game. They're going to start to double him, and they're going to start to rotate coverage, and safety is going to move over and spy to him. And that's where I think DJ uh, Darnell Mooney, excuse me, is going to be able to get more opportunities. He's got to be ready to go on that, as well as guys like Equinemius St. Brown. And, and, and I think Cole Komet is becoming a more reliable weapon uh, over the middle of the football field, especially when he's in zone. He still struggles a lot to create separation and man coverage. But, you know, I, I do think that Justin's going to be able to get a lot of these, uh, you know, these guys more opportunities. But in the meantime, if they're giving you those little plays to, to DJ Moore and they're playing one-on-one on the outside or, or the back shoulders there, you got to take those chances every time you get. The guy's a superstar. You brought him in here specifically to, you know, enhance the quality of your young quarterback. And I was looking at numbers earlier, you know, the, the kind of guys in similar situations, A.J. Brown, when he went to the Eagles, Stephon Diggs, when he went to the um, to the Bills, very similar situations. Young quarterbacks, star receivers helping those young quarterbacks out. D.J. Moore right now is on pace to have a better season uh, than both of those guys did when they first got to their situations. So, you know, things are trending up in that regard. Now let's get Darnell Mooney uh, up on the same page. Let's continue to feed Cole Komet. Even guys like Robert Tunyon, I think the, some of the backs off the backfield are going to be important this week. I would expect, even though Deontay Foreman is not, is not a, a great pass catching back, I still think that he's going to have some opportunities this week to get involved in that uh, in that situation, uh, as well as uh, even Darrington Evans, who they just re-signed um, off practice squad this week. He's got if if Roshan Johnson can't go, Evans will be the backup this week. Uh, you know, and, and you figure a lot of this momentum will carry over now that we we have kind of solidified that that trio of Komet and Mooney and obviously DJ Moore being the top dog going forward into the season and against a, a Viking secondary that isn't exactly world beaters. Their defense hasn't been that outstanding. Um, and Justin Fields, you know, great red zone passing. Just you hear. After games like this, uh, all the critics are awful quiet, and and you feel that he is 
definitely progressing as the passer that you want. I mean, he doesn't have to throw for over 300 yards a game. We say we see similar games from, you know, the likes of Jalen Hurts out there and other young quarterbacks in the game. Uh, it's great to see Justin Fields, speaking of him, said today after practice that the next step for the offense is just to keep the foot on the gas in the second half. And you certainly did that, young man, with a 40-point effort and, and scoring uh, 13 in the second half certainly helped. It looked like, obviously, finishing these games has been a reason why they, they lost a couple of these games. Obviously, the Chiefs game, take that out of it. But um, certainly, uh, you need to do that against the Vikings at home when they're just as hungry as you are for a win. I want to circle back to the defense, Ross, and I know we haven't really seen takeaway heavy defense, and this hasn't looked like the best offense as advertised by Averflus, but five sacks from the Bears against the Commanders. I mean, I'll be, there's a pass rush that has been non-existent so far this season, and I hope it uh, it certainly carries over um, into this game against the Vikings. Uh, you know, you can't, can't speak highly enough. We haven't mentioned his name a lot about TJ Edwards mm-hmm. and what a really good signing he has been at linebacker for the Bears. Uh, he had a sack, he had 10 total tackles, he had a quarterback hit. To add to that, but you know, everybody's it's it's kind of well spread around as far as the sacks go. You know, you're getting Yannick Ngakwe in there, Rasheem Green, Greg Stroman, um, it, because there's there's a lot of rotational help that needs to happen, especially in the trenches. Um, and especially in the secondary, I know they're really beat up. You know, Howell threw for 388 yards, but they didn't give up points, they gave up 20 points. That's what's important at the end of the game, obviously. Um, and so now you're going to get that help going into this week, should, which, which should only help the pass rush more when it looks like Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon, they all practice today in limited reps. Um, the secondary looks like it's close to coming back. So that's very encouraging. It is very encouraging because you need all those guys back. Um, you know, I, I, Sam Howell did complete a lot of passes and, and he got a lot of yards. I think that was also the Bears were trying to really milk that clock in the second half and really just get out of there and, and kind of play that typical uh, bend but don't break cover two defense that we've seen before. Um, you know, Terrell Smith, I thought, has been outstanding as a rookie in place of, of Jalen Johnson. He's gotten more snaps over the last couple of weeks. Even uh, Matt Eberflus said uh, either yesterday or today that he expects him to play even more, even when Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon come back out there. Uh, you know, Stevenson has had his ups and downs as a rookie so far. So I think Terrell Smith is going to kind of split those those snaps with him. But yeah, they need reinforcement back in the secondary. They, they need some playmakers on that back end. Missing your two starting safeties in the NFL is, is just a killer for me as a defense it, because you're missing those guys that can kind of control the middle of the field, can kind of, you know, protect against deep plays and really just, you know, help to, to, have a quarterback second think things and you know, a lot of people have been down on eddie jackson over the years but I, I tell you eddie jackson has a reputation in this league as, as a guy that will take the football away and so defenses go out of their way to to shy you know to, to go against him to to say to get the football away from him so just getting a guy like that back in the football field will be tremendous don't forget too the Minnesota Vikings are coming in this game. They got some situation, they got some issues at, at wide receiver right now. Justin Jefferson is out for at least four games. He is uh arguably the best wide receiver in football. Um, their rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison that they drafted out of USC. That's the guy that theoretically should be taking Jefferson's spot. He popped up today with an ankle injury and he was limping around practice. So he's uh you, you know, he he's got an issue right now, which means KJ Osborne essentially is your number one wide receiver as a Minnesota Viking uh player. And that that's a lot of that's a big issue for them because you know, coming into this game, you know who's number one in pass attempts in the NFL right now? It's Kirk Cousins. Do you mm-hmm. know who's number one in pass uh you know passes passes completed in the NFL? It's Kirk Cousins. And all of a sudden, he's also number one in passing TDs. But if you start to take away his best offensive, his, his best you know offensive situations, what does Kirk Cousins look like as a quarterback without Justin Jefferson, with a, an injured Jordan Addison, and a KJ Osborne that you know is all of a sudden elevated to be the number one? And the Bears get reinforcements back. This should hopefully shape up to be a game where that secondary. Uh, could put a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins and, and potentially take the football away. And on the defensive side, line of things, they have to continue to generate pressure uh, out there. Uh, you know, it's good to see some of those guys finally start to, to really generate pressure. Now, granted, Sam Howe is the most uh, sacked quarterback in the league by a long shot. So he does he does have a tendency to hold on to the ball and, 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 and really take a lot of sacks. But 
for me, what I liked is the two young guys really coming on strong over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Zach Pickens and, and, and Gervon Dexter Sr. Those are two rookies that are starting to play a lot more, starting to rotate more in there, and they've been playing a lot better. Andrew Billings has been a tank as the most tackle. He's been great. He's been the yeah. best free agent signing so far uh, for the Bears. TJ Edwards, a very close second. Um, but I think you need to start rotating Pickens and Dexter in more uh, instead of Justin Jones and mm-hmm. uh, and put those guys out there with your Yannick and Gakways and even rotate a guy like Demarcus Walker out in obvious past situations. He's still very good against the run. But uh, I want to see those young guys get, get in there more because they're really starting to push the pocket and really disrupt the quarterback. Yeah, it definitely comes back to the secondary play for me, uh, especially going against Kirk Cousins now. You need I, I, with all those injuries, it certainly adds up. But Kirk Cousins can adapt. He's he's shown that. Um, I think even without Justin Jefferson, and you can you can actually absolutely paint that narrative that Justin Jefferson pads his stats and vice versa. But um, but you need Jalen Johnson, you need Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon, full go to make this a convincing win for the Bears. Uh, the Bears listed Cole Komet as limited in practice today with a hamstring injury. Uh, Lucas Patrick, I mentioned earlier, had a concussion. Running back Roshan Johnson with concussion protocol. Travis Homer with a hamstring. So running back's a bit concerning. Dante Foreman has to uh, carry a heavy load, literally, um, with this running game. And and I think you've got to establish that. Playing the Vikings, but, uh, you know, look for a lot more of Justin Fields doing what he did against the Commanders, where he's able to sling it to DJ Moore and Cole Komet, his security blankets there. Um, and then... You know, the protection of the line, we'll see if, you know, Kramer gets rotated in. I know he was just mm-hmm. activated from IR as mm-hmm. well. Um, but Equinemia St. Brown, we talked about him being that leader of the wide receiver room. Uh, that'll be tough to, you know, lose his pass blocking ability and just having him out there as another option for the Bears um, as a third option at best or fourth, you know, next to Mooney and Komet. Um, but, you know, carrying that momentum, it, it, this looks like a very winnable game for the Bears, right? When you're back at home at Soldier Field, you see the potential that the offense has, the defense getting healthy. Um, what, are, what are some keys to the games that, you, that that we have not mentioned, Ross? I, You know, to me, I think it's, you know, one big key to the game and, and, and key on offense is you really can't understate the addition by subtraction of getting Chase Claypool out of that situation because, uh, you know, the, to start the year, the Bears were running a lot of 11 personnel. If you're familiar with 11 personnel, that means three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back on the football field. And it just wasn't opening enough opportunities uh, for guys like DJ Moore. The run game wasn't as solid. I don't think the offensive line was as solid. I, and and a, a lot more teams were, were, were re- able to really generate more of a pass rush against Justin Fields. Over the last couple of weeks, since Claypool has been out of the situation, the Bears have run significantly more 12 personnel. Uh, instead, two wide receivers, two tight ends, one running back, right? And things have just completely shifted. And I think things have gotten a lot more efficient on offense. It's been a lot of quick passes for Justin. He's been able to get better protection out there. He's now, uh, uh, he's trended from back of the pack to now middle of the pack and trending towards above average and average, uh, you know, in, in, in EPA out there, meaning he's he's efficient and getting positive yards and he's not taking sacks, his his. His numbers from clean pockets have been improving over the last couple of weeks. They have simplified the situation on offense by getting Chase Claypool out of there, and they're allowing better blocking and for Justin to make quicker, tighter reads because there isn't that much out there. And then the run game looks a lot better. So I could think they're continuing to run 12 personnel, expect to see Robert Tunyon to get a lot more snaps and potentially a lot more targets. DJ Moore is still definitely going to get a lot more targets. And then now let's see if uh, if guys like Darnell Mooney can really get it going. And then the last wrinkle to me is I really haven't seen Justin Fields get going rushing the football yet. And I do think that eventually he's going to have a breakout game. He was close to breaking a few of those runs on Thursday night. You know, I know that the numbers weren't quite there and teams have been keying in a lot more on him this year, but 
it's going to happen. One of these games coming up, he's going to bust it. He's going to have about 80 to 100 yards in a game. You're just not going to be able to keep a dynamic guy like that down for too long, uh, even with the spies that they've been putting out, out on there out of him. And I think that's going to start coming more that they're in 12 personnel. So I expect that more uh, this Sunday, and especially against the Raiders, two defenses that are struggling mightily right now. You hit it on the head, Ross, as far as Justin Fields running the football and having those just wow plays that he has had, um, you know, over the last season for sure. I mean, the Bears leaning heavily on his running ability just to bust some plays wide open uh, would be great to see, and it would propel that offense further and take some pressure off the passing game um, with that in mind. So I I, I just feel like expectations, we don't want to give – and it's tough to give predictions at this point with, uh, you know, how the Bears have been playing up and down. And But coming off a win, I I do pick them to win. I feel like they keep that momentum going. I know that Minnesota's favored, as you see in, in the bottom of your screen, if you're watching on YouTube. But I, I think the Bears have a lot going for them. And, and you can't say enough about the Vikings wide receiver core just being so banged up and how we talked about at the beginning of the season, how Justin Jefferson has more yards, more receiving yards than, the entire Bears franchise history is just something ridiculous like that. When you're losing a guy like that who is the best wide receiver in the NFL, you can put a K.J. Osborne out there or Jordan Addison. It's not going to replace that production, man. And, and you know you also have arguably next to Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league, and Hawkinson um, and Kittle. He's up there in the top tier. Hawkinson, is, is it's gonna he's going to try to take a lot of pressure off Kirk Cousins. So you would think that, you're going to have that assignment defensively to do a guy like TJ Edwards and switching off between him and Edmonds in the secondary. You see uh, Eddie Jackson and the other guys in the secondary really keen in on him um, and trying to make Kirk Cousins throw deep and, and play a lot of one-on-one man man coverage out there. So it it, it will be hopefully a, a closer game, um, a hopefully a win, obviously, for the Bears and keep this momentum going. Um, and I, I also got to say this Chase Claypool trade is the best thing that you could do as as a Bears franchise, obviously, just to get this guy out of there. He, he, did, he did nothing as a, as a Bears player, really, of relevance. And in the locker room, he was just sort of a cancer that we talked about. I know that obviously the trade blew up in your face and regrading it looks like a you know flat out failure. But, you know, the potential was certainly there and you had to give it a shot. Um, but you know, if you, if you, I, I don't really wish him well, I, I know that the, Mike McDaniels loves his speed, but good luck to you, man, because I can't imagine, uh, him having a, much of a boost in that locker room at that point. Completely agree. I, I don't know where his career goes from here. And, and you would have thought coming out of, uh, Notre Dame, especially going to a situation like Pittsburgh, where they just continue to draft and churn out very good wide receivers they've got one right now and and george pickens that's been awesome deontay johnson is on ir but he's also a very good wide receiver we know their history and pedigree of developing wide receivers and so you thought that chase claypool could have been the the next guy and he really should have been he's got all the talent in the world he's fast he's big body he's got a high catch radius he should be a very good football player but you just it just seems like the kind of guy that just doesn't want it and you seems like a kind of guy where football just really isn't at the top of mind for him it's not something that he particularly cares about um i thought that he was in absolute cancer in the locker room for the bears and um you know i i think it's an unfortunate trade for ryan poles but i think it's also a learning experience for him that you know those are the kind of players that you can't take on you certainly can't give up um you know that that kind of draft capital uh, for a guy like that, you know, and you have to start wondering when good organizations are ready to dump players, you've got to take a step back and you've got to be like, okay, what do they see here that maybe I don't see and stuff like that. Um, and so that's all hindsight right now. That was a mistake, you know, good on Ryan Poles for shedding that mistake, cutting his losses. They got what they could for him. There's little to no value for him. When he's going to Miami, I don't see much of a role for that guy. They've got an outstanding wide receiver situation right now. They also have a good thing going. He could potentially dress, you know, a couple of games, but they took a flyer on the guys just to kind of see if there might be anything there. But I don't expect it. And he's a free agent right now. I don't know what team is going to go in the offseason and give this guy any more than about four to six million dollars a year. And this was a guy that potentially could have been making 17, 18 million dollars a year, you know. 
Um, so right. he, he's going to struggle at that. I know Foster's in the comments, you know, talking about, you know, you know, moving him to, to tight end, stuff like that. You know, guys got to want to be able to do something like that. Guys got to want to be able to buy in. And Chase Claypool is just isn't that kind of guy. I, I think that he's going to be uh, out the league relatively quickly here within the next uh, couple of years because his attitude stinks and uh, he blew it, you know. It's quite a fall from grace. It's it's incredible. And I know Stephen A. Smith was imploring him to turn the career around with the Dolphins. You you go from, you know, it, it's it's great for both parties, right? Where Chase Claypool goes to arguably, you know, one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, very pass happy, leading in passing and rushing, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. at this point. But the Bears getting rid of a guy who didn't really do anything for uh, your offensive game and as well as the effort, just that effort alone, that one game to lead off the season just looked like, an, you know, an abject failure. Like, uh oh, this is this is the Chase Claypool we didn't want to see. Uh, and now you get that bad attitude out of there and and you can just move forward and see what you have. And uh, the rest of the receiving cords, sign some practice squad guys and, and see that the guys who really. Uh, put in the effort, maybe it pays off for them. And maybe you get some gems, you know, and you see a guy like Equinemia St. Brown, he's obviously not a, a sexy name. Uh, the lesser of the the, the St. Browns of, you know, when you think of him on St. Brown doing very well for the Detroit Lions as wide receiver. But Equinemia St. Brown, the leader in that locker room and great pass blocker, like mm-hmm. I'd rather have him 10 out of 10 times uh, than, than Chase Claypool, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Com- completely agree. And it gives an opportunity to a guy like Tyler Scott, right? He, he's a rookie yes, that, sure. that that needs to get on the football field. And, and he sees the situation. He's like, look, you know, nobody is above getting, you know, getting booted out and, and getting traded out and, and getting banished to, you know, Chase Claypool is behind two star wide receivers. He's just not going to get on the field. He's not going to get on the field, you know? So I, I don't know where the opportunities are. So that that's a message sent to Tyler Scott. It's like, man, I, this is my opportunity to A, show this coaching staff in this organization that I can play and I can get some meaningful snaps. And then also B that no one is above, you know, getting shipped out and being banished somewhere. So I got to take my career very seriously. And let's hope that he gets some, some more meaningful snaps out there in the field. And, and as he gets some trust, but you hit it on the head, this is going to be a three headed monster, a wide receiver of DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney and St. Brown, mostly for blocking. Um, you know, as they continue to run this 12 offense and then, um, you know, and potentially as the season goes along, you can see guys like Tyler Scott and, uh, you know, Bayless Jones Jr. get some more snaps. There we go. All goes down Sunday. Bears playing the Vikings. Do you have a prediction at noon on Soldier at Soldier Field? Which I, I predict uh, that I will be uh, very hungover watching on an airplane. I'll be flying back from Vegas, so I will be firing up the wi-fi through the air as i as i land at yes i'm going to see usher again second time as i as i come back from vegas i'll be landing at 2 p.m but no listen i expect the continuity on offense for the bears to keep going because i do think that they have found something here i do think that justin fields is in a much better place right now and i do think that we're at the start of something very good this guy is on pace to shatter basically every uh passing record in franchise history not saying much because we haven't had much but it's a start and and it's i think that's what we wanted to start the year and so you have to kind of take a step back and say look if the bears win five games five to seven five um, seven might too much five to six games this year but justin fields is at 3800 yards and he's thrown for you know 30 touchdowns and and he's kept the interceptions you know at around 15 or less um things get interesting and, and you start to say okay that's that was kind of a success you know maybe not what we wanted from a record standpoint but we feel better about the quarterback situation and uh we still have a lot of money to spend in the offseason where we still have 90 million dollars to spend and uh we still have you know the Carolina Panthers they stinks they they're not good so that's going to be a top three pick for sure. And uh, that's where you really build your team offer. The the Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields stuff, we got a long way to go. Yeah. Let's see how this all plays out. The Cardinals, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Packers, the Raiders. Am I missing anybody that stinks right now? Um, I don't I've named a bunch of teams, but they are all – 
The Broncos. The Broncos. There you go. They stink. They stink, stink. They're pretty fucking. Um, yep. <laughs> All those teams are in the quote-unquote Kalen Williams sweepstakes. So, we, yeah, we're in October right now. We'll see how things go over the next couple months. I, I, I think that we should all, myself included, temper and, and put the Kayla Williams versus Justin Fields stuff to the side for now. I think that you should be able to enjoy both young men and watch them both without having to put them against each other right now. For example, I can't not wait to watch Kayla Williams this Saturday versus that Notre Dame defense and Marcus Freeman. That's going to be like, when I'm in Vegas, that's going to be must-see TV. I'm going to be in a sports bar in Vegas like watching that. That's going to be awesome. But I'm not going to be thinking about the Bears when I'm watching that and vice versa as I watch you know, Justin Fields on Sunday. Fair point, Ross. A little, little too early to just explore this trade Justin Fields high right now, mm-hmm. all this talk. I, I feel like he's got to play out the season. And then you see, yep. you, you evaluate from there. Yep, um, agree. Switching focus to the rest of the NFL, you talked about the, the stinkers in the league, the the Panthers, the only winless team in the league right now, currently 0-5 now after uh, last Sunday's loss. And then, you know, uh, shout out to Cliff in the comments. Love stinks. They're, they're not terrible in the Green Bay Packers, but they did drop to 2-3 and three after um, their loss to the Raiders on Monday night. Um, you know, some two and three teams, we talked about the three and one teams going into this last weekend, but the two and three teams that seem like, you know, they're on the fringe of maybe being good, uh, are, are very confusing, right? Well, you got the charges who are two and two who, mm-hmm. who had that by the Browns as well. Um, the pan, the Packers, obviously a lot is going to be. Uh, weighing on Jordan Love and his performance as far as their success and wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams, you know, going back to Stafford, we saw Cooper Cup coming back and, and doing pretty well next to Puka Nakua, and, and that uh, the offense shouldn't take too much of a step back, but they can't really figure out the running game, and mm-hmm. defense isn't as great as advertised, so they're an interesting two and three team. But, you know, as far as the winners, it's, uh, you know, we pointed to that Sunday night game being – must-see TV and and being the game of the week, but what a just absolute beatdown by the 49ers uh, putting their stamp on the league and saying, of course, we are the best team in the National Football League, just thumping the Cowboys and, and making this defense just look like paper mache. I mean, just going, doing everything they wanted with, from <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey to Brandon Ayuk to uh, George Kittle with those three touchdowns, the hat trick, and having the fuck Dallas shirt under his jersey, uh, and then poking the bear in Micah Parsons. Like Micah Parsons, you, you got to just take the L and, and, and quiet down. <laughs> I mean, they have the upper hand at this point. They're playing great on both sides of the football. Um, and now the Eagles are fresh. They're the only other undefeated game, uh, undefeated team going into week six now but what other impressions did you have from week five ross yeah i mean how can you not gloat about the san francisco 49ers when we talk about top end talent they've got the best roster in the league they've got superstars on offense and defense their best player is probably their left tackle (laughs) you know like trent williams is going to the hall of fame that's their best player and then from there you know, the, the Christian McCaffrey trade was an absolute home run to me. I think he should be an MVP candidate. I know they always give those things to quarterbacks, but he has been ha- having that good of a year uh, and, and that impact on the game. You know, they got a guy like like Depot Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, like you talked about. And then Brock Purdy is just, you know, I call him a point guard because he's able to just kind of put the ball in the playmaker's hands and let them do work, right? And he's very efficient. He's very decisive with his decisions. And, you know, he, he thinks and moves quickly, and he's perfect for that Shanahan offense. But then on defense, you know, Bosa is awesome, and Armstead is awesome, and Fred Warner is probably the best middle linebacker in the league right now. They just are super talented all across the board, and they just absolutely destroyed a good Cowboys team. Like, Don't get it twisted. Cowboys are a good football team. they got a good defense. They've got a solid offense. And they just manhandled them. They're the best team in football right now. It's not even close. Um, and, and I don't think there's a team in the NFC that can hang with them, not even the 5-0 Eagles. The Eagles just don't quite look right to me on offense. They don't look the same uh, post-Shane Steichen uh, with Nick Sirianni going back to calling plays. But the Eagles are still a very good team. Um, they, they've got a plus 37 uh, differential right now in the win column. Uh, but, you know, 
put that in perspective to San Francisco, they're plus 99 right now in, 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 in points differential. So, you know, that, that's just how, that's how good that, that San Francisco is right there right now. Um, you know, I, other impressions, I, I thought it was a good bounce back for the Dolphins. I think Tua did struggle a little bit, but you know, they're, they're a fun team and, and, and they're going to be there in the end. I think that division as a whole is super fun, especially with them and in the bills is going to be interesting as things start to get colder and how Miami responds specifically as they go on the road, if that offense and Tua is going to be able to hold up, um, you know, Kansas city chiefs look a little off to me offensively. I think they have a, a wide receiver depth issue right now. You saw when Travis Kelsey got hurt with the ankle injury, it was really tough for them to move the football. So I actually think that they're going to make a move and, and, and make a trade at some point for wide receiver. Um, even if it's getting a guy like McCole Hardman back, you know, we heard the Jets this week, we're looking to trade McCole Hardman. Um, I think that he would be a good fit to go back to Kansas city. He already knows the offense and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And, and, and then from there, I mean, you know, the Lions, you know, it, again, we don't we don't want to say it because they're in our division. They've, they've been rivals for a long time, but the Lions are good. They've won three in a row now, and that's just a really good football team. And they've done a great job drafting over the years. You see it. Listen, Sam Laporta, you don't ever want to call somebody the next Rob Gronkowski, but he's got Gronkowski tendencies and, and he is very good. Um, he just looks like an absolute monster out there and trying to cover and then bring down. And uh, that was just, just a really good pick. It was a really smart pick for them. And they look like they are a, a team that certainly is going to run away with the NFC North. But I expect them to compete a little bit in the playoffs. Now, they're not going to be able to beat the San Francisco 49ers like, most likely, especially if they have to go on the road. But they can give Philly a good football team and a good, good game. They can give the, uh, the, the Cowboys a good game, stuff like that. So, those are the kind of things that stood out to me. The other thing, I, I, I think that, you know, the other divisions in the AFC uh, are a mess right now, specifically the North and the South. Steelers, run a very, they won a very sloppy game against the Ravens. That, that was just an ugly game for the Ravens, for Lamar and his wide receivers, lots of drops, stuff like that. Yeah. And then in the South, you know, I know Jacksonville has won two straight London games to kind of take control of that division, but – I wouldn't write off anybody in that division right now. Even the Colts with Anthony Richardson out, I think Minshew is going to be able to be just fine. Texans are playing good football. CJ Stroud is, is probably going to be your runaway uh, favorite for for offensive uh, for offensive rookie of the year. Even though I know Puka is having a great year, and then the Titans are always just going to be lurking because they're, they're just a solid football team. They're solid. They're coached uh, very well. They seem to really roll with the punches, and they get the <clears throat> the London game this Sunday. In mm -hmm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as uh, they play the Ravens, and that should be a good one. Like you talked mm -hmm. about, the Titans just seem to really uh, adapt, no, no matter what sort of adversity they face. And then you, you know, don't look now that the uh, Bengals have strung together a couple wins, and Joe Burrow had his best game of the season by far. Mm -hmm. This last game, finally looking like Joe, and maybe that calf is feeling a lot better. Um, and they play a, a pretty tough Seahawks team, but they're back at home. So that should be a game to look out for, for sure. I know you touched on the Jaguars and, and the Bills, that game, and that Jaguars-Colts always seems to be a really good, um, you know, divisional bout, if you will. And, you know, you can throw both their records out of the equation when you think about what will happen on the field. But if, you know, if Travis Etienne plays like he does and Trevor Lawrence, you know, he just needs to play consistent enough and that defense can, can uh, you know, keep the – you know, keep the points down, then that that should be really good to see that game on Sunday. And uh, I think, you know, going into the Sunday night game, of course, you know, being Giants Bills, like what we we talked about teams that stink. The Giants are just how do they keep getting back into prime time? It is just bananas to me that we can't flex games as early as week six because the Giants are just terrible to watch, just terrible TV. NFL should be ashamed. But you also touched on uh, back to the winners, you know, the Lions being good. And and I have to give I have to tip my hat to them because they've been terrible for so long. Some had to give. I, I'm jealous of, you know, Sam Laporta, the way he's been playing. I had my doubts about Jared Goff, but, you know, he's now a seasoned veteran able to do what he does between Laporta and have Amon St. Brown out mm -hmm. there. Amon Ross St. Brown and then the defense playing at the high level they are. Uh, they could they're a, a power that could really 
threaten maybe the likes of obviously the Eagles and, and the, the 49ers that we talked about that are at the tops right there. But they got a tough test with the Buccaneers who have been playing pretty well, too, and they're fresh off a of bye week. So uh, a lot of uh, interesting storylines going into this next week here. Yeah, speaking of the Buccaneers, you know, Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback uh, in the NFL right now on third down. Whether you pressure him or whether you don't, he's been the most efficient quarterback on, on third down this year. And you start to you think, you know, listen – you know, those guys who got banged up a lot in Cleveland and he played through a lot of injuries and you have to think that that hindered his game. And now that he's healthy in a different situation, he's playing a lot better football again. And a lot of it mirrors with what Deshaun Watson right now, who, you know, he's he's had a shoulder injury and, and they've kind of said, well, it's up to Deshaun to go out there and play. But he hasn't played. You know, he's been off and on. And, and you start to wonder about that Cleveland situation and, and their their. Uh, how they take care of their athletes and stuff like that. And, and Deshaun Washington is probably saying, you're not going to Baker Mayfield me. And, and, and cause I saw what happened to him. So, you know, good for Baker. I I've always liked Baker. I, I think attitudes like that and moxie like that is good for the sport. And um, sure. Tampa Bay has a good team. They just needed, you know, a, a quarterback to come in there and kind of fill a little bit of Tom Brady's shoes, not all of it, but a, but a little bit like that. Um, you talked about the giants. I, I think the giants are, they make the classic mistake of, Never pay the quarterback that you are not completely certain about. And the move was to franchise Daniel Jones and work out a long-term deal with Saquon Barkley. And and, and they did the opposite. Um, They eventually got a deal done with Barkley, but they did not franchise Daniel Jones. And and now they're stuck with him for a couple of years. And he is atrocious. You start to see that um, what Brian Dable did last year with offense was a lot of smoke and mirrors to prop up Daniel Jones, but teams get hip to that quickly. You know, coaches and players are very smart in the NFL. He's terrible. And they have now put themselves in a really disastrous situation that this is what gets coaches and general managers fired is when you hold on too long to bad quarterbacks and then you overpay them. Uh, And and so they're, they're in a really tough situation. Um, I I do think that they're still well coached, but they've got a lot of uh, injuries and stuff like that. Um, Connor Bedard just scored his first NFL goal right in front of me. Shout out to the kid. Look at that. Had an assist last night and the Blackhawks had a win and now his first goal. Shout out to shout that's many more to come for what could be the 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 best generational athlete Chicago has seen since Michael Jordan. Hype around this guy, yeah. It's listen, he's got me watching hockey in October two nights in a row. So (laughs) the Blackhawks on his TV. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a pretty goal too. This kid's this kid's amazing. (laughs) But I I digress. I'm like, holy shit, he just scored a goal right in front of me. Um, But yeah, the 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 Giants are just in in a you know terrible situation. Both New York teams are, and uh, I think this trade deadline coming up is going to be interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more action than we've seen in the past. Some teams are going to want to tank. Uh, you, you know, some teams are going to want to move off some players. I think that this Sunday going circling back to the Bears, it could be a big thing for the Vikings because if they lose again, and and why are you holding on to Kirk Cousins when you could trade him to uh, the Jets or something like that, you know? Yeah. There's no question about that. Uh, you you know, you're looking ahead, and you're, you're again, in that Caleb Williams sweepstake if you continue to play like you are and you pair him with justin jefferson boy i mean how could you how could you pass that up um and you know i i I think at this point it's it's safe to say that the the niners are favorites for a reason and you're seeing just the class of football that they play just how incredible that they are on both ends um just the christian mccaffrey trade that they made was huge getting a, a quality all-star running back back there. And then the, the wide receivers that they have in Ayuk and Debo Samuel, the way that Samuel is just a gadget guy who's incredible. Um, and then George Kittle, when he plays the way he does, that defense, how they're put together. I mean, Shanahan and company just has a phenomenal team uh, in front of them. And I'm not sure. I, I just don't know when they're going to stop. It's It's one of those teams where you think that they just have this great winning streak going what when what is that first loss if they do have a loss in the schedule and they do play the eagles later in the season but they can roll these teams the way they have been for a long time to come mm-hmm. agreed yeah sure and welcome to the show coming in at 
210 pounds, welterweight. Uh, I don't know. He told me it's coming from boxing. I, I don't know what you're You could not have gotten those weight classes any more wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I and I appreciate you saying 210 pounds. Uh, that makes me feel a little more svelte. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a little, a little sore, but I'm doing all right. How you guys doing? We got John Buffon here from yes, the, sir. of course, John Buffon, Buffon 55. What's going on, John? Oh man, not much. We haven't been able to talk about a Bears victory in almost a year, so I'm yeah. kind of ex- I'm kind of excited to jump into that tonight because it's been almost a calendar year since we could be able to even uh, think of the possibility of the Bears winning a football game. So it's kind of a different tone tonight. Yeah, no question there, uh, John. You know, you, you've got a lot to talk about on that show on the heels of of the offense playing well, and, and now that uh, now that Justin Fields is is really starting to roll here. I, I don't know. Do you have some sort of thoughts into the best uh, keys to the game. I was asking Ross earlier about what you think the Bears' attack plan is to to go at the Vikings and try to make it two wins in a row on Sunday. Well, I think they just have to keep doing what they're doing. They found a way to get the ball into DJ Moore's hands, which is why you traded for the guy in the first place. Uh, he's he's you get the get the ball in his hands, and he's a big yard after the catch kind of guy. Uh, I think that they also, I, I mean, you look at the, how they attacked uh, Washington. And I was actually at that game, and you know they they had a nice mixture of run and pass. And now, obviously, with Khalil Herbert not being able to go, and we're not sure about Roshan Johnson. It looks like it might be a lot of uh, Deontay Foreman and. Uh, who, uh, who else and who I mean they have they have, they have a Darrington pretty Evans yeah they they they, they, get, they do go out and get Darrington Evans off the practice squad I think he was in Tennessee but he's familiar with the uh with the system in, in Chicago and so I mean they they had Kari Blazing game step in because they didn't have any other uh, active running backs on the roster in that Washington game because I think Travis Homer got uh, banged up as well so uh they, this is it is okay that they, it's kind of nice that they have a pretty deep running back room uh, that can someone can just step in there and you feel kind of uh, confident that they at least will do an, uh, we'll say adequate job. So I think keeping that balance up, rolling the pocket out, let Justin Fields have some designed runs. I think they ran the ball almost like 32 times combined as a team in, in that game against Washington. So as much as they were able to, you know, have success in the air and DJ Moore with his 230 yards, they did rush for over 170 yards as a, as a, as a team. So I think keeping that balance up is going to be, uh, is going to be paramount moving forward because the threat of Justin Fields running kind of sucks in those linebackers every once in a while and can open up some things in the passing game. 100%. And, you know, you talked about, you know, Deontay Foreman coming in, and this is a guy who came into a very similar situation last year with the Carolina Panthers, you know, ironically. And he had 914 rushing yards last year on 203 attempts. This is not a guy who who is, is uh, you know, he's not used to, he's a guy who's very used to coming in, and he's a good veteran running back. He runs very hard. He runs very violently. He's not the pass catcher that you want him to be or very explosive like Khalil Herbert. But this is a professional running back that has a ton of experience. And most importantly, you know, you start going into week five and guys are a little banged up and they got tired legs and stuff like that. He hasn't played. <laughs> Healthy scratch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he feels great. So he's going to come into this football game on Sunday, and I think he's going to run very, very hard and very angry. If you start looking at, you know, different over and unders and rushing yards and stuff like that, don't be afraid to pound that that plus 75 yards and, and any time touchdown with Deontay Foreman because I think he's going to come out swinging on Sunday and be, be very excited to get on the football field. I mean, you know, you start – veterans – want to play and, and, and guys are hungry and they want to play. So, you know, he's going to be really cool out there. I, I still hold out hope that Roshan can clear uh, concussion protocol because that was a Thursday night game. So you got a little bit of an extra window, you know, right. Friday will be very important to see how it goes there, but I have full confidence in Deontay Foreman. I think that if, if it is going to be just Deontay out there, I think you're going to see a lot of RPO with, with Justin. I think he's going to get a lot more involved as well and really put some pressure on the Vikings uh, defense to try and stop him in the open field as well. And you, and you got to realize that, you I mean, Je- uh, Justin Jefferson is not going to be out there. So that's a big mm-hmm. hit to, to the Vikings offense. And it might only take 17 or 20 points to win this football game uh, on, on Sunday. And then mm-hmm. and I think a big thing that people don't think about is these guys, if, if they don't even if they don't plan on being with the Bears next year, they're putting on tape for their next team and their next contract. So it, Don, Deontay Foreman is going to run hard, even if he's not on the Bears next year. He wants to put on some tape before right. Khalil Herbert comes back, before Roshan Johnson comes back. He needs to put something out there that other teams can see and say, hey, this 
guy runs violently. And, and as you said, Ross, this guy does have lead back experience. He, mm-hmm. he stepped into Carolina. He was able to tote the rock uh, and be that lead guy there. And he wants to prove that he can still do that. So that's just part of the business side of the NFL. And, and that could that could, you know, pay dividends for the Bears on Sunday whenever he may be the guy they have to lean on, uh, you know, 15, 20 times uh, with, you know, some designed runs with Justin Fields in there and whatever else. Maybe maybe Bayless Jones gets a few touches as well. Maybe they can get creative with that. <laughs> who, kn- who knows? But uh, I think uh, they, they're going to they're going to have some opportunities to score some points. I'm not going to get I, I'm not going to just say, hey, the Bears are fixed. <laughs> but uh, I, it, is, it is nice to see them being able to, to move the football a little bit. Like you said, John, just nice to have a a win in the books here and keep that momentum going, hopefully, Sunday against a a battered Vikings squad. Some winnable games coming up, right? What else you got coming up on the show at 7.30? Uh, we're going to talk about that win just because we haven't been able to do that for a while. Uh, we're going we're gonna to preview uh, the upcoming game with uh, with the Vikings and see what their chances are in that, and also uh, hope, maybe talk about Chase Claypool for the last time. Uh, we kind of put a kind of put a put a bow on that. I don't I don't anticipate us having too many Chase Claypool segments uh, for, uh, further down the road in this season, but just kind of since he was traded the day after they won, we'll put a bow on that, give our thoughts on that, and how that kind of ranks and the uh, the blunders of the Bears as far as some of the worst trades uh, in, in recent Bears history. And I went, I racked my mind trying to think of some, uh, and uh, it's probably the Chase Claypool one could could be up there as far as one of the worst ones in, in, in I should say, recent history. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good. The uh, it's it's up there with the um with the Greg Olson trade, obviously, and and uh, you know the trade up for Mr. Trubisky, of course. Yeah. And we can go the whole way back to Rick Meyer if we want to. Yeah. They traded a first-round pick in 1997 for Rick Meyer. He played seven games and they released him. So there's yep. there's been there's a, there's plenty to pick from there. Uh, sure. I think they pretty sure they traded Mike Ditka for a washing machine. So uh, they, <laughs> there's plenty of there's plenty of things to go through uh, with uh, with with the bad trades with the uh, with the Bears. I'm actually it'd be probably more of a fun segment to say what it was the best trade in in Bears history. Uh, but because yeah. I don't know how many candidates are on there. There's a few, uh, yep. but we're gonna go through some of the bad ones tonight. It's shaping up to be this first overall pick with uh with with Carolina Panthers. That's going to be the best trade in, in franchise history. Could, who would have thought you trade the first round pick and in return you get DJ Moore and all that other stuff and maybe the first overall pick right. in, in return That's for right. it. So that, that right. could really that could really pay uh, pay some dividends moving forward. Yeah. That's right. Stay, stay tuned for Doug, uh, Doug Buffone show. Excuse me, Doug Buffone, John Buffone show. I'll take it. Buffone fifty-five, uh, <laughs> of course. Great Doug Buffone. Uh, at 7.30 Central Time, follow John at JD Buffon on Twitter. Uh, John, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate the time. See Anytime, you, fellas. We'll see, see you show. later. Yep. Uh, Cliff, I will be at that Raiders game. Uh, so, yes, please please stop on by. I usually will do some tailgating in the south lot. Would love to to see you, and we'll we'll have a beer, maybe a, maybe a shot of Fireball, as I've been known to do before a Bears game. And uh, definitely, oh, we'll, definitely, we'll, definitely we'll meet, I know, me and the Fireball. <laughs> Only for Bears games. That's tradition. <laughs> uh, you're going to that game, you're saying? I'm going to the Bears game. Yeah, oh, I'll be there. Nice. Uh, yeah. That should be fun. Um, yeah. I, would, I would make an appearance. I don't know if I'll go to that game. But I'll, I'll put it on the books for sure. Come on, uh, We have ran out of time. Uh, but, you know, I did want to say, you know, just check in with Ross. We were talking pre-show. Um, and plug again, if you're able to see, you know, for our, our, our uh, viewers and other States and, and beyond, if you get a chance to see Dave Chappelle, I, it was uh, a very worth the, the price of admission, a great mm-hmm. bucket list uh, item. And, and Ross and I were talking and comparing shows. Each one was very different as far as uh, what he did Friday versus Saturday night. And the set, you know, he's got another Netflix special coming out very soon. Yep. But, you know, it's just spoiler alert. He's talking about everything from uh, a new, you know, the, the handicap to to Chris Rock and and everything in between and and I love it and and makes it Chicago centric too and it's an experience and uh yeah I know you had a great time with the wife Ross as did I on Friday night 100% anytime you can see you know one of the best entertainers in the world right now going uh it, it's an awesome experience um I love the the you know they they you walked in they gave you a bag so you can lock up your phone and your smartwatch and all that stuff and you just it allowed everybody to just actually like zero in for once and watch a show one of my biggest pet peeves when I go to these live shows the first thing that somebody does when a person gets on the stage is they start doing this and they're just like and it's like put your goddamn phone down and enjoy the show like that's why you're there and so it was really cool to I was in 200 level to to be kind of 
really close and intimate experience. There's no phones, there's no flash going on. You're just enjoying the show. And and that was, that was awesome. As I missed it, that as a lot. It's intended to be. Yeah, yes. I, I do. I mean, as much as people are like, Oh, I can't contact so-and-so and can't right. text and can't take videos of it. You just, you just gotta be in that moment. And yes. uh, I do appreciate that. It's, it's very, <clears throat> very um, comedy focused these days where you're seeing the, um, those bags come yes. out. And so yes. Something else yep. there. Yep. All right, we're getting out of here. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening on Spotify, iTunes for the audio-only versions on YouTube. Thanks for chiming in. Cliff, of course, leading in the comments as mm -hmm. usual. Um, remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. Stay tuned for Buffon Fifty Five at seven thirty for more Bears coverage in NFL and beyond. Uh, looking forward to that Bears Vikings game. Everybody have a great weekend. It's it's crazy out there today. I'll just say that. Be good to each other. So long, everybody. <laughs>